Today's reading is from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 1 through 6. I'll be reading from the New International Version. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 1 through 6. And this is Moses uh, talking to the Israelites. Getting them ready for getting them ready for the promised land. <clears throat> Be careful to follow every command I am giving you today, so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised you on oath to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out, and your feet did not swell during these forty years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord, your God, disciplines you. Observe the commands of the Lord, your God, walking in obedience to him and revering him. Well, good morning, everyone. And just to echo what has already been said, uh, happy Father's Day to all of you who are fathers out there. I'm not, so I'm not a father, so, so I don't know how you feel about today, but hopefully you enjoy it. So we've been looking at lessons from Romans. Today we're going to finish this book off. And so, but we're not going to do it the way that I had planned to do it. Originally what I had intended to do was a summary of the book of Romans. And I realized that that's quite a load to do. But when I started working on the lesson, I realized I hadn't covered chapters 1 and 2, and I didn't touch on chapter 16 yet. So what I'm going to do with this lesson is I'm going to roll three chapters into one lesson. So we're going to look at chapters 1, 2, and 16. And we're going to finish off the book of Romans that way. So, so just to start off, welcome everyone. And to those of you who might be at home watching, and especially to our visitors who are here today. So let's start off by looking at chapter 1. And what I want to do is I want to give kind of a, a summary, a summary of these chapters and talk about them and then talk about what we can learn from these chapters. So chapter 1, this chapter can be summed up as the existence of God and the sins of the Gentiles. Looks like something got blacked out there. Anyways, that should say chapter 1 right in front of the dash. So obviously it's gotten blacked out. But chapter 1, it can be summed up as the existence of God and the sins of the Gentiles. So in this chapter, and from verses 1 to 7, the Apostle Paul started by talking about his apostleship. That's how he starts off chapter 1 in the very beginning. And this makes sense when we realize that he had not been to Rome to spend time with these Christians. Now, last week I said something that I didn't realize I had said, which was that Paul didn't know any of these Christians, but actually he did. He did know them. He knew a lot of them. He didn't know all of them, but he knew many of them. And so, 
But he had not been over to Rome to worship with them and visit them yet. So he knew a lot of them, but he had never been to Rome to get together with them yet. So the fact that some of them did not know Paul is possibly why he starts off talking about his apostleship. It makes sense. He wanted them to accept his letter as authoritative. So for those who didn't know Paul, had never met him, he leads off that way. They realize that this letter comes with weight. It comes with authority. So Paul said he was set apart for the gospel of God. He was chosen by Jesus to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. Then we look at verses 8 to 15. So I'm just going through it briefly. So verses 8 to 15, in those verses, Paul expressed his desire to come and see the Christians in Rome and preach the gospel. So I'm summarizing. Verses 1 to 7, he's, giving, he's talking about his apostleship. Verses 8 to 15, he's talking about his desire to come and see the Christians in Rome, and he wants to preach the gospel. Verses 16 and 17, I find, is a little break in the whole chapter and are what I believe to be the key verses of the entire book of Romans. So take a look at verses 16 and 17, which says this, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just that as, as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. That pretty much sums up the entire book of Romans. Because as you go through, this is what you see. He talks about how the gospel came to the to Jews and then it came to the Gentiles. And he talks about the gospel being for all. So it sums up the entire book of Romans. Then we come to the section of verses 18 to 32. And it's a big section. And in those verses, Paul talked about the existence of God. He talks about the existence of God. He said we are without excuse as far as believing there is a God because creation reveals that there is a creator. Creation itself reveals that there is a God. Let me give an example. I asked somebody one time, I said, how do you think this tree got here? And they said, well, the seed must have, seed must have fell from another tree and the tree grew. Okay, and where did that tree come from? Well, same thing. The seed fell. Okay, yeah. Keep following that. Okay. Where did the first tree come from? Uh... Didn't, didn't know how to answer that. Well, obviously, there, somebody had to have created the very first tree that started everything off. And the same goes for dogs, and the same goes for humans, etc. There had to be one that started it off. And God created that first human. God created that first dog. God created that first tree. God created everything. Everything. In the entire universe, even. We read that in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. It says this. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. So we read from scriptures that God created the entire universe, not just the planet Earth, but the entire universe. How big does that make God? Think about it. When we look out there and we see all the many stars and the things that we can see, and we realize a God created all of that, the entire universe. How big is our God? So Paul talked about the existence of God, Paul talked about the sinfulness of the Gentiles who refused to come to God and worship him and instead created idols and worshiped them instead. And they did unspeakable things in worship to their gods and they turned to their own lusts and their own desires. So they made the wrong choice. They didn't follow God. They didn't want to know anything about God. They decided to create something and worship that instead and then follow their own desires. 
So the rest of the chapter describes how evil their behavior was. I'm not going to read it because some of it is quite graphic. But verse 32 sums it all up, and it sums it up very well, I I believe. In in Romans chapter 1, take a look at verse 32, as you can see on the screen here, which says, Although they knew God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. That's how far gone they were. They were doing evil things, and they were even approving of others who did the same. These were people who knew the truth, but they chose to live in ignorance. Imagine, I always think of the, the picture of the ostrich who buries his head in the sand, which we know is just, it's just a myth. That's not true. But the idea of burying your head in the sand and ignoring what is. And that's what happens here. They chose to believe lies instead of God. And from creation, from history, from archaeology, etc., there is so much evidence out there for the existence of God that we cannot deny it. God exists. Let me use uh, an example here just to help us to understand the mentality of the, the audience that he's talking about, these Gentiles, and what they did. Imagine, if you will, going up to your biological parents and looking at them and saying, I didn't come from you. I came from, I came from this. I came from this. I didn't come from God. Imagine if that's what they did. And they said, you didn't create me. Well, that's kind of what they're doing in a sense. If you, don't, if you just think about it and you follow it to its logical conclusion, if God didn't create you, then who did? And that's what they're saying. And they follow and worship this idol that they created instead of God. And that's pretty much what they did. And so, these Gentiles made the wrong choice when they decided to ignore God and to deny his existence. We should not make that same mistake. We should not deny God. If there is a God, which we know there is, then we have a duty We have a responsibility to get to know his will and do it. We do. Take a look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. A while ago we read that God created the universe. And then we follow in verse 6. And it says, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. You can't say that God does not exist and then say, Well, I'm going to try to follow God. It doesn't work. You have to believe he exists. When we turn to him in prayer, everything we do, we have to believe that God exists. You can't turn in ignorance and say that he does not. And so in that chapter, we see the existence of God. We see the sin, sinfulness of the Gentiles. And when we come into chapter 2 now, which is interesting, he switches gears and he talks about the sinfulness, the sins of the Jews rather than the Gentiles. And so, in this chapter, the Apostle Paul switches from the bad behavior of the Gentiles, he switches to the bad behavior of the Jews. Take a look at verse 1 of chapter 2. Paul says, You therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For whatever point you judge the other, you are condemning yourself, because you who pass judgment do the same things. So Paul's saying, hey, you're, you're judging these Gentiles for their bad behavior, but you're doing the exact same thing. Can you imagine being told that? If I didn't read anything else from this chapter, that verse would be enough to sum sum up what is being talked about in that chapter. You would get it. Paul was saying that the Jews were not behaving any better. So from verses 2 to 16, if we were to read it, we would see that Paul said that the Gentiles and the Jews were on an even playing field. They will both be judged by God 
One is not better than the other. One is not elevated to a higher status than the other. They, they both fall under the exact same judgment. Take a look at key verses 6, and then after that we'll read verses 9 to 11. But in verse 6, God will give to each person according to what he has done. That's clear. Each person will get according to what he has done. Verses 9 to 11. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For God does not show favoritism. Everybody is on the same playing field. And everybody is going to be judged equally. So when will God give to each person according to what he has done? And when will we receive glory, honor, peace for doing good? When does that happen? We, we see that in verse 16. This will take place on the day when God will judge men's secrets through Jesus Christ as my gospel declares. And that's when that will happen. In verses 17 to 29, and in all this chapter for that matter, we learn that the Jews were judging others according to the law. But they themselves were guilty of breaking the law. So you imagine... I judge somebody, and I'm guilty of doing the exact same thing. Well, Paul said they loved to boast about the law and bragged about their relationship with God, their relationship to God. But they dishonored him by breaking the law. So let me give you two examples to help paint the picture here of what they were doing. All right? So imagine, if you will, that I came up to someone out there on the street, and I tell them, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian, and I go worship every Sunday. I tell them I have a close relationship with God, and I do what he says according to his word. I follow the Bible. You know, imagine. I'm a Christian, and I follow the Bible. I listen to God. And then I judge that person, and I tell them, you're guilty of stealing. Okay? However, secretly, I'm guilty of stealing from the church funds. Now, remember, this is a story. I didn't really do that. (laughs) Keep that in mind. But imagine, I'm doing that. But I'm guilty of stealing from the church funds. So how does that look? This is what Paul is talking about here, that these Jews are accusing these Gentiles, and they're just as guilty of the same thing. So that's just one example to to help us to get a picture of what the Jews were doing to the Gentiles. They were judging them according to the law. They were guilty of breaking it too. Now let me give you a second example. This time it's not me, it's you. So think about this. Imagine again, if you will, talking to someone who had never been to a worship service before knows very little about God, so you're talking to this person. How do you think that person would feel if you boasted to them, if you bragged to them about your relationship with God and about this congregation and how great it was to be here every Sunday, and then that person comes here and they don't find you here because you stayed up too late the night before and you decided to sleep in? What impression do you think that that person is going to have of your worship to God? What do you think they're going to think about you as far as your relationship with God? What impression do they get? What are they going to be left thinking? Do you think that person might get the impression that worship to God is not very important to you? Now think of the Jews, God's chosen people, and think of the impression they were leaving with the Gentiles because they were not taking the law as serious as they should. Well, in verse 24, Paul quoted Isaiah 52.5, and he said this about the Jews. He said, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you, because of what you're doing. Well, the word blasphemed means reviled or, I like this definition, to be evil spoken of. To be evil spoken of. 
So the Gentiles are speaking evil about God because of the behavior of the Jews, the way they were. So you imagine, they should have been more careful, they should have been concerned about the reputation of God and their own reputation. They were making people talk badly about God because of their own bad behavior. We don't want to be guilty of that. We need to be careful about our reputation too. We need to be careful of the reputation of God. We have to think about the decisions that we make, whether they will have an impact on our reputation and in turn the reputation of the church and most importantly the reputation of God. So we have to, we have to be careful as we live in, that, in the world out there. We have to be careful of the things that we do. And we have to guard our reputation and the reputation of God. So here is something I want you to remember. Remember, you never know who is listening and watching. I had this happen one time, an example, early when I was a young Christian. And I remember talking about something that the Word of God says, and then I was guilty of doing that. And the person called me out on it. And it was very embarrassing, and it was very humbling, but they were right. And I realized, I have to be careful. You don't know who's listening. You don't know who's watching. So we don't want to be guilty of causing someone to speak evil of God. Think about that way. We don't want to be guilty of causing someone to speak evil of God. I don't want to be guilty of that, neither do you. So let's go to chapter 16 now. In Romans chapter 16, in this chapter, a lot of people um, don't bother to do any lessons on Romans chapter 16 because they say, well, it's just a list of greetings. Why bother? There's nothing there important for us. There's nothing there for us to learn. Well, in this chapter, Paul greeted a lot of people, all right, but we could also see, according to verse 22, that Tertius was writing everything down, so that's something that we learn in this book. Paul dictated, Tertius wrote it down. And so, there's more than just a list of greetings here. There is also warnings, and that's the summary that I give for chapter 16. Greetings and warnings, because that's what we see here. Take a look, if you will, at verses 17 to 19, and look at the warning among all the greetings here. And this is what Paul says to them. He says, I urge you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them, for such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Everyone has heard about your obedience, so I am full of joy over you. But I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. So think about that. It's kind of strange. He has all these greetings right up to verse 16. Then all of a sudden he plunks this warning right in the middle. And then after that continues with greetings. So it's pretty strange, isn't it? But does that sound like something we should take seriously? Does that sound like something that there's something to learn there for Romans chapter 16, that it's not just all about greetings? Well, we should always be careful of people who want to do things differently than what the Bible says to do. If God has asked us to do something in his word, then we need to do it just as he said. Can't be doing it our own way. It's got to be God's way. That's what he has asked of us. We already said a while ago from the lesson we learned in chapter 1, That we have a duty, a responsibility to get to know God's will and do it. And from chapter 2, we learn that we have to be more careful and concerned about the reputation of God and to do what he says. So that's what is being talked about here, is doing what God says. We are to keep away from people who cause division. 
It's not rocket science. That's easy to figure out, isn't it? And so, let me finish this off with a few interesting facts about Romans chapter 16 for those who think it's just a book of lists and there's nothing for us to learn. Just some interesting little facts that I want to highlight in this chapter. So in this chapter, we learn a few things. First of all, we learn that Paul mentioned his relatives in verses 7, 11, and 21. You can learn about the Apostle Paul's relatives. So he had all kinds of them. And some of them became Christians before Paul did. He mentions that, especially in verse 7. He mentions mentions a few people. He said, my relatives who have been in prison with me, they are outstanding among the apostles. There's something else we learn. And they were in Christ before I was. So they were in Christ before I was, his relatives. Secondly, as just mentioned, there were other apostles besides the 12. You know, we always go through scriptures. We always read about the apostles. You know, we think the 12 apostles, and we think that they're the only ones. But here we read about other apostles. Interesting. And so, the word apostle means messenger, or one who is sent out. So these would be apostles of the church. They were sent out by the church. It might surprise you, and I'm just throwing this in last minute here, because I don't have it in my lesson. But back in Hebrews chapter 3, just quickly read that for you. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1, Therefore, holy brothers who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, the apostle and high priest whom we confess. So even Jesus is referred to as an apostle. Might be something you didn't know. The sent out one. Who was he sent out by? He was sent by the Father. So he's the sent out one. He's the messenger. And so the apostle, it was used back in the first century. So we have the 12 apostles, the chosen apostles by Jesus, then we have the apostles of the church, and Jesus himself, the apostle sent out by the Father. And finally, the last, the third little thing that I want to share, a little interesting fact is, all the churches of Christ send greetings. We see that in verse 16. All the churches of Christ send greetings. Church of Christ is not the name of our church. It is not. It is who we are. We are the church that belongs to Christ. Now, a lot of people like to look at that and say, well, no, that's your name. Just like this is the whatever church, and that's the whatever church, that's the name of your church. No, that's just who we are. We are the church that belongs to Christ. We are the people of God. And so, when we look at the lessons, when we look at the book of Romans, what are some of the lessons we learned from the book of Romans over this sermon series that we went over? What do you remember from our Roman series? What are some of the things that stand out for you in some of the chapters that we looked at? Have we exhausted everything we could possibly learn from the book of Romans? And how important is it to continue to read and study this book? Well, here's the thing. You already know the answers to these questions. You know what you've heard from the Roman series and what you've got out of it. And you know that we have not exhausted everything that we can learn from the book of Romans. And you also know how important it is to continue to read and study this book. It's important to study every single book of the Bible because this is the word and the will of God. You cannot know the will of God apart from his word. Only through his word can you know the will of God. And so, continue to study this book, continue to study every book of the Bible, and you will learn more and you will grow to be like Christ. Let's stand and sing our last song of the morning. All to Jesus, our surrender, all.